welcome to this week's episode of Not D&D, brought to you by EN World Live. Hi, as always, I'm your host, Jessica, and joining me this week, I have the gorgeous team from Leyline Press. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Hi, thank you for having us. Thanks for having us, yeah. Of course. Uh, Would you like to introduce yourself uh, to the chat and to the podcast? Uh, Yeah, I'm uh, Pammy. I'm um, one of the writers and designers of uh, Salvagini. Yeah, I'm Alad. I'm the other one. Uh, <laughs> so um, yeah, uh, I, I tend to do um, uh, a lot of the uh, design work, uh, illustration, layout, all that sort of stuff. Um, but um, uh, yeah, and development team. team. Amazing. Uh, so this week we are going to be talking about Salvage Union, uh, which is a mech TTRPG. Is like I, I feel that's a very uh, unfair way to to summarize it, maybe. But we will be getting into the game a bit more, uh, so you can hear about that. If you're watching the live stream, hello, thank you for joining us. You can put your questions in the chat and we will answer them. If they could be about Salvage Union or tabletop RPGs in general, that would be most helpful. Uh, And if you're listening to the podcast, any links to anything we're talking about will be in the show notes for you uh, to take a look at later. Um, So before uh, we talk about Salvage Union too much, I'm going to be nosy and intrusive and ask about uh, you as individuals uh, and as gamers. Um, So my question I ask everybody that comes on the show is, do you remember your first um, experience of tabletop role-playing games? Do you remember your first game or your first introduction to the hobby? Um, Yeah, so uh, for tabletop role-playing games, like uh, most people, uh, it was Dungeons and Dragons. The classic, yeah. Yeah, it's an onboarding game. Um, for mm-hmm. me, it was fourth edition D anD D, which was um, one of the uh, more controversial ones. Um, but mm-hmm. um, me and my friend group enjoyed it. It was very um, sort of accessible at the time. It felt, and uh, and then I did soon move away from it into um, playing other systems um, mm-hmm. when I was at university and beyond. Uh, yeah, for me, it was um, a bit less usual. Um, uh, I was around ten or something, but um, we didn't really. I, I grew up in sort of the sticks in North Wales, so we didn't have access to a lot of like game shops and stuff, and uh, we never had a copy of D anD D. We did play Warhammer, so it's all homebrew stuff um, for me mm-hmm. for uh, for like the first kind of like ten years. Really, I don't. I don't think I played D anD D until I was like twenty five. Um, and um, so yeah, yeah, we just like made up stat blocks and drew maps and just kind of like um, cracked on with it. Really, so um, yeah, that. My the first homebrew was uh yeah I sort of drew a map we put some stat lines together and went from there but yeah um it was uh yeah were you the forever DM of the group then Alad were you like homebrewing and designing games right from the beginning then no we we actually kind of took turns um oh, okay, uh, I, I rarely ran normal games I, I tended to always homebrew because I I, I like drawing maps that that was kind mm-hmm. of like big thing so I, I've always loved drawing maps so I'd always like draw a map and then be like right okay well, I've drawn the map so I kind of have to GM it. Um, and that was yeah. always like homebrew stuff. But then um, as we got older, other people like got games. So I played a lot of Vampire um, in the late mm-hmm. 90s. Um, and my friend Aaron had the books for that. So like, you know, he ran that. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, uh, then from there, we, we played a bit of like Werewolf. And um, yeah, a lot of White Wolf stuff, actually, thinking about it now. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it was the late 90s. So I guess that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, not not forever DM in the group. To be fair, um, mm-hmm. when I played D and D, that was um, uh, another friend ran that because um, uh, you know uh, he had he had the D and D books. So yeah, no, it was it was, it was yeah. Cool, Penny. What about you? Were you you said you mentioned at uni you kind of started branching out away from D and D. What were some of the systems that kind of you started branching out into into more indie games? Um, so, yeah, if you can I, remember, yeah, no, yeah, it was, uh, about a decade ago. Um, yeah, we played. Um, so there was a game called Scion, um, which is, was another White Wolf game. Thinking about it, um, which was mm-hmm. like a, a, a game where you all play as um, kind of the scions of various demigods, 
um, which mm-hmm. was uh, really interesting and uh, enjoyable at the time. Um, mm-hmm. I also uh, <laughs> played GURPS because you've got to play GURPS. Um, you know, I've, but, never, I've never played GURPS. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine why. I think I, I think I read a review that talked about sort of um, bullet trajectory and tracking like the trajectory as it drops over distance. And I was mm-hmm. kind of like, nah, uh, <laughs> not, not, not doing that. Yeah, not, not Have you tried burps as a very common uh, thread <laughs> in people that are looking for not D&D? Because it is a very flexible system that works with a variety yeah. of things. So it is kind of a bit of an in-joke in the um, beggar talk and, uh, you know, begging you to play another RPG thing is, have you tried GURPS? Um, so that makes <laughs> sense. You should definitely try it. Yeah, it's a bit of a meme. Um, but I think the real big one that opened my mind um, was playing Apocalypse World. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, um, like uh, which is powered by the first sort of power, big power mm-hmm. by the game, and I think that that's the indie game that made me go, oh, okay, so you don't have to play a role playing game in that sort of trad um, model that all those other games like yeah, Scion and Gertz and all, whilst they're all and D and D, whilst they're all quite different, they do follow that sort of quite traditional model. Um, mm-hmm. You know, GM narrates, everyone else makes characters, um, whereas you do do that in PBTA, but it just mixes it up, mixed it up so much, but it, it yeah. Me, it, yeah. it like opened up my sort of creative mind on it, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I've had a yeah. lot of um, designers mentioned part by the apocalypse actually for the same reasons you said that it just it kind of made opened you up other options. It was like alternatively, have you considered this? And sometimes until someone comes along and does that, it, it doesn't make you think of all those other things. Um, so uh, another question I had is about uh, so Leyline Press is obviously how you publish Salvage Union, and I wondered how Leyline Press came about. So how how do you become people that were playing a lot of games and enjoyed them to being becoming designers and publishers? Um, so we actually met while we were working at uh, Modifius. So um, uh, we were both working there. I was on the um, uh, uh, the dev team for miniatures and stuff so i was in studio there doing all the 3d stuff and we mm-hmm. sort of like sat next to each other so <laughs> that, that's cool. kind of how we met right? um and um then um uh yeah we both um we we left within a month of each other and um tried we both sort of branched out to do our, our own thing and um then um and neither of those went too well because uh, it was um, in early 2020, right? <laughs> Shadow of Mog was a great hit. <laughs> Shadow, Shadow, it did better than mutants. So um, yeah, we, we both we both did like um, Zine Quest games, didn't we? Um, yeah, for, we for did. Zine Quest. And um, yeah, they didn't go too great. And um, then anyway, so we both sort of went back, got got normal jobs, as it were. Um, mm-hmm. um, but then I'd been working a little bit on Salvage Union. Um, uh, that's that's been something that's been an idea for a very long time, and I sort of put. A loose mm-hmm. bit of stuff together but it wasn't great um it, it was it was very very unfinished it was it wasn't even you know um uh, an ash can really then mm-hmm. and um so then i was kind of talking to panny about it and we were like well why don't you know why don't we team up on it because um a lot of the stuff that i'm good at which you know i'd sort of like i'd got some art done like you know and um uh yeah sort of the concept the cover was already kind of mostly there i think at that point um and um but i didn't really have much written <laughs> um mm-hmm. and panny's like strength is in the writing so we we're kind of like yeah you know um when we team up on it and um yeah the rest of this is history so um yeah a lot of lot of chats down the pub i think is kind of where it started <laughs> but all yeah indie publishing meetings happen is down the pub in the uk absolutely yeah um, <laughs> Well, fantastic. Well, let's dive into Salvage Union then. I mean, one of the things I want to start talking about a little bit is the art, because someone uh, commented on Twitter that they've always enjoyed pouring over the art in Salvage Union. Wonderful stuff, very inspiring. Um, So could you talk a little bit about, um, maybe perhaps, uh, Pani, if you want to introduce what Salvage Union is, give the quick 
elevator pitch introduction for somebody that's that's never heard of it? Yeah, so Savage Union is a post-apocalyptic uh, mech tabletop role-playing game uh, with sort of easy-to-learn and accessible mechanics. Uh, you play as a group of salvagers who go out into the wasteland, uh, collect scrap, and uh, bring it back to their home base, which is this massive uh, walking mech called a Union Crawler. And then they use that scrap to um, support their community because the crawler has all their friends, uh, family, loved ones, and uh, people in the wasteland who are trying to sort of survive with them. And um, and as part of that, um, adventures ensue, whether um, dealing with the corporations around the world or uh, wasters, raiders, uh, and bio-titans and uh, all sorts of, uh, sort of shenanigans in the wasteland. Yeah. Fantastic. All sounds exciting stuff. Um, and we did mention, obviously, somebody in the comments has already mentioned the art style. Uh, so what was the inspiration for the artwork? And, and the, you know, because that seems really important in the games and it's it's a really pretty book that you've made as well. So what was the inspiration yeah. and kind of idea behind the, the visual style of the book? Um, so, yeah, I mean, the cover cover wise, obviously, is the um, we've got one here. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but the cover is uh, it's like a Haynes manual kind of cover, which um, I mean, I think. Certainly for me, and sorry, I'm trying to put it here without. <laughs> I'll just hide my face. It's, it's, it's better looking. Than, um, so yeah, well there you go. It's on. It's on screen. Um, so yeah, it's um, my. You know, everyone, everyone's dad, and uncle, whoever had like copies of these down um, in the garage, and um, so I kind of always liked the idea of that. Like you know, on a Met, get the cutaway. Um, in terms of um, uh, getting that done, obviously, um, found Alex Connolly uh, on the internet and um, commissioned um, a couple of pieces from him to sort of start. Um, and then Hamish Freighter as well was uh, one of our other early artists who um, uh, the banner behind us here and um, uh, what, what we've got on the screen uh, before um, was one of Hamish's pieces. And that that was really the, the first piece um, that we kind of commissioned um, from him because, you know, we I was just kind of browsing really and um, th- there's a lot of nice art out there. I think mm-hmm. um, when we were working at Modiphius, there was um, a lot of free league books that Modiphius were doing distribution for. At the yeah. time, um, so um, one of the standout ones, Tales from the Loop, um, obviously Simon Stalin yeah. art in that absolutely gorgeous, and um, uh, you know, it kind of um, it changed my kind of perception a little bit on the mm-hmm. standard of art that could be in an RPG. Um, sure. You know, typically you sort of see an RPG, and it's it's really it's about the written content, right? So it's um, mm-hmm. it's about right. Okay, cool. So um, uh, what what you have is. You have rules, you have mechanics, you have narrative, and um, you know the arts. Just um, a little bit of fluff, just to you know tart it up a little bit, and um, you know <laughs> to, to, to make it look nice. Um, but then things like Tales from the Loop, uh, Morkborg, particularly as well. Um, you know they they redefined um, kind of how you would use art in in um, uh, an RPG for me because you know the art kind of is the content. I know a lot of people say this about yeah. Morkborg. Um, is kind of like it's style over substance but really like for me the style is the substance it informs so much about the world and um, sort of how you might interact with it or how you know it makes you feel and um, sort of how it would inspire you to run a game that um, it's actually it is the substance of the book for the most part right um, that's kind of what we try to achieve with salvage as well by making it kind of an in-universe artifact in terms of like the layout the art and all of that Um, Mm -hmm. it kind of it's a really important part of the experience, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I do really think um, artwork in games absolutely do that. It kind of sets the tone and the vibe to 
for yep. the players for the setting and even before you started reading the rule book it kind of sets the tone for what it is so yeah I yeah you're already there right yeah it, it takes you it takes you right there right yeah Absolutely. And also really important for crowdfunding and Kickstarters. Um, so this yeah. was uh, successfully funded in January 2022. And you have now fulfilled the backers at the end of last year. Uh, so that must be a nice, uh, you know, sigh of relief after doing the fulfillment yeah. and, and all that that fun stuff, which is why we get into publishing. Um, and now it's available at retail. Um, so if anyone is uh, interested, there's links in the show notes. Uh, you can go to uh, leyline.press uh, to pick up a copy if you're interested when we're talking or to look at some more of the details um, as we're talking as well. Um, but talking about the game in a bit more detail, uh, so we uh, are using the Quest RPG uh, for this as the system. Could we talk a little bit about the Quest RPG for those that aren't familiar and also why you chose it, um, You know why you thought that would be a good fit to tell this style of story? Uh, yeah, so um, Quest is a um, fantasy um, uh, tabletop role-playing game um, by a, a company called The Adventure Guild. Um, and um, I think the, the most unique thing about it is that it's um, incredibly accessible. Like it's mm -hmm. um, it's designed to really take people who've never played role-playing games, never heard of role-playing games, have no idea what they are, and yeah. onboard them on it, but in a way that goes that extra step. Like the character sheet, for example, is just um, a... Um, kind of a, almost a written out story that you write about your character um, rather mm -hmm. than being sort of a wall of um, statistics um, or even simplified statistics. Um, and um, the core mechanic uh, is just a flat D20 um, with some variable um, resolution to it um, with no like additional stats, skills, modifiers. Um, and then it just has an ability system that tags onto that. And those abilities let you do sort of... Uh, Sort of bespoke things within the narrative and gives give players like narrative agency but they're also written in such a way that that kind of leads you into like role playing out a scene um mm. like they're, they're, they're very well structured to to be on like i know your typical like persuasion check it won't be that it will it will specifically say you know it will explicitly explain the ability in a bit bit of a way that like games that have the pbta games do but um uh -huh. far more like uh explicit and um yeah, and I think uh, that became a good fit um, because of that accessibility um, element of it. Because with Salvage Union, we really wanted to make a mech game that was easy to pick up and play. Um, because the majority of mech games in the genre are tend to be uh, lend themselves towards the far more crunchy tactical um, elements, which are very much fun in themselves. But yeah. we felt like a, uh, a sort of mech game you could put on the table and that a uh, a sort of a tired dad could could see themselves playing <laughs> was kind of it was it's the sort of thing that we could see ourselves playing as well because well, um yeah. you know I, I you know i say this in pretty much every My interview dad. <laughs> well yeah i mean i'm getting there to be honest um but <laughs> not not the dad i'm just very tired Fair um, enough. But, uh, it's like really you know I, I really really like lancer like really love it got got the mm -hmm. book art fantastic you know the the layout is great but it's um, it's I don't understand how to play it still, um, and um, you know it's 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 quite complicated and really crunchy, and yeah. um, uh, you know you just need something a little bit. I, I like something a bit lighter, and I think maybe that's just you know my roots of sort of like you know just doing a lot of FKR stuff. Like you know you want to be able to just kind of focus on the on the fiction, and mm. um, that's and this is the thing, right? Like with mech mech building, like adding all these systems modules, that's that's like a really important part of the fun is like building that mech. But then yeah. you need kind of quite um, a bare bones chassis to build all of those subsystems on. Because if mm -hmm. you start with already a relatively 
crunchy system like because we did talk about starting doing it on bx didn't we um, um yeah we talked about a few options few options um, yeah but... bx um like yeah sort of old school dnd about the, the mecca hack um did that and did that quite well yeah um, they already well. did it but yes yeah. <laughs> it was that <laughs> it was but um you know yeah and we, we had like custom stuff that we were sort of thinking about but it was um every time we sort of did it there was just like a lot of stuff to track so you really have to strip down the core of the game as as bare bones as you can get it. But your yeah, quest was just a good fit, wasn't it, in terms of um, the ability to translate well to mech systems and modules and stuff, right? So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was a real... Um, so, yeah, quest, as I said, has the... Um, like each character class has a different set of um, abilities, which is their main way that the classes in the game um, differentiate themselves with it. And it's fantasy stuff, so it's like, you know, fighters and rangers and whatnot. Um, and it, it made sense to, to sort of take that ability and imagine that ability is now a laser guidance on a mech or a um, chaff launcher and it's still like formatted in the same way and it then lets you have those sort of uh, sort of fun buttons as well you're sort of pressing a button on your mech um but you're not having the that it's more like narrative driven um, in how a lot of the abilities um, play out so it's not as heavy in terms of um, like it's sort of what you see is what you get like you activate yeah. the ability you do a cool thing um you know you blow up a part of their mech or you um yeah you, know, you stun them or you drain their energy or something like that yeah um but you don't have that wider um complexity yeah. attached to that it's all very it's yeah it's sort of um, yeah, or, or, or you can just be like right okay well i've got a chaff launcher i'm not doing the specific thing with it but you know you just okay well maybe i'm going to try and startle some birds with it or like do you know what i mean you you just have the thing yeah. so just you know use the thing it's the old 10 foot pole isn't it it's um you know it's mm -hmm. not explicitly designed for anything but you can use it forever you want yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Um, talk to us a little bit about character creation then, like you're saying, how it's um, you know, a little bit different there. Can we go into detail a little bit about the sort of characters that people will be playing uh, when they're playing this game? Uh, yeah, so um, so all your characters are um, at heart salvagers. Uh, mm -hmm. So you're, um, you are immediately sort of part of a group and part of a, a community within a sort of wider um, setting of a sort of post-apocalyptic uh, wasteland of salvage union. Um, and um, then uh, use, we use a, a class-based system in that, so you can play mm -hmm. as a sort of scout or the, a soldier or an engineer, and they're all sort of integral sort of um, uh, components of the of the of the salvage union, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. And um, as you, um, yeah, and then those characters um, are then differentiated with um, their different abilities, which um, give them various bits of niche protection. Um, so the scout has a lot of abilities to like gather information and but also mm -hmm. to sort of talk themselves out of uh, situations as well. Um, like they're sort of a silver tongued type character. Uh, whereas the hauler, um, who's the big sort of uh, cargo carrying uh, character, mm -hmm. is sort of a leadership character as well. So they have a bit mix of abilities that let them uh, take sort of charge in leadership positions and make deals inspire their allies and but also sort of haul lots of cargo because that's quite an important part of the game um so yeah you're able to um sort of build into a niche and um, yeah, so, yeah, the, there. there's um we basically got skill trees like you can see it on the scout one here that, that, that you've got up so these are the sort of core ability trees advanced abilities and then legendaries but um all of the classes so i'm just gonna hold this up and hopefully you can kind of see it um, so um, we've mm -hmm. got kind of that diagram which has all of the classes on and so all of the trees are kind of interlinked and as you go into mm -hmm. advanced classes you can move kind of like up and down and across so it's uh, it's quite flexible and then we've got the, the generic salvager which is sort of a classless um, but can't gain advanced abilities so yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that's a character you can sort of tailor to um, fit kind of whatever yeah. image you have um, but it's very very um, it's still a very light um, framework like 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the intent is that it's it's just enough for you to sort of have an understanding concept yeah. of the character, and yeah. then you're able to take that into play and really do what you want with it in a narrative. And, and of course, it's it's relatively light as well in terms of the pilots, especially because the other half of your mm-hmm. character is because you mech, and um, yeah. you know, so you kind of you've always got two sheets, right? And then um, the the mechs are a bit looser, so they're they're stratified by tech tier. Um, uh, which you, um, that's kind of like the leveling mechanic because as your union crawler levels up, you gain access to um, higher tech stuff. And um, mm-hmm. that, um, yeah, you can then build the systems and modules out of the salvage that you find in the wastes. So it's uh, it's kind of sneakily a bit sort of um, scrappers XP, really, um, because the more <laughs> scrap you find and bring back, then obviously, you know, yeah, that's that's how you kind of level up in it as well. So yeah, that's the loop. Yeah, yeah that's, um... that's the gameplay loop. Isn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think mechs in, in simple terms in the games are really you take those pilot abilities and then you just bolt them onto your mech uh, effectively. But yeah. Um, yeah, but then we separate them into like, systems and modules. Um, but yeah, it's a fairly simple um, sort of mech building um, structure mm-hmm. to add to that. And they're very so flexible. Sorry. Yeah. No, that's great. Um, I was just uh, going to ask so, w- you know, with these characters in mind, what sort of stories are we telling in Salvage Union? So I've got an idea of the setting, like you say, postcop, you know apocalyptic world as we're going around scrapping getting things that we can we've we've got this this crew this kind of found family vibes it almost sounds like uh that we're there so what are the adventures what are the shenanigans we're going to be getting up to um so yeah there's um uh, we really wanted to show that there could be like a wide variety of um sort of stories you can tell in the system uh, so there's like three adventure modules that we um publish with it um mm-hmm. and for example the one we um oh, there they are, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there. So this is uh, also one of the so this is one of the ones um we published full flag and this is a, a kind of cold war-esque uh espionage um adventure setting sort of a frozen mm-hmm. um northern wastes um where you're um, making um tough decisions um as you're sort of trapped between two corporations who are fighting over um uh, sort of meld nanite, which is this sort of valuable resource, um, but totally not an analogy for oil. Um, and the rigs in the middle, uh, drilling yeah. it. It's very uh, yeah, subtle. No, <laughs> subtle. no one Sometimes would confuse that. No one oil. would draw, no one would draw those lines. No, 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 no need. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's, um, so that's one. Whereas, um, we've got mm-hmm. like We Were Here First, which is, um, by um, Diogo Nogueira. And this is just a sort of pure, sort of almost gonzo. Um, adventure where you're um, mm-hmm. uh, there's all these meteors full of um, uh, this resource called Chimerium have crash landed in this uh, sort of more traditional wasteland um, sort of Mad Max-esque yeah. wasteland mm-hmm. environment and you're just rushing to get them um, but then there's like 10 other factions um, there's like Corpos, Wastelanders, Raiders and everyone else is rushing to get them so it's a bit more of a race against time and again you're making tough decisions in who do you help, um, you still need your resources to keep your crawler and your community alive but there might be other decisions to make and there's a bit of a mystery um in that of like what's going on what with with a kind yeah, of what's, what's, what's the history yeah, and stuff there's a yeah. lot of uh yeah abandonment um then uh rainmaker is the last one which um yeah someone someone's commented on so um yeah rainmakers by luke gearing um and uh, it was one of the first finished ones i'm particularly pleased with rainmaker because i actually illustrated that one as well myself <laughs> so <laughs> Oh, nice. um, yeah, the covers, the covers mine on that one, which I always, it's my favorite cover. It's the best. Well, I, it's, it's the best. Um, but um, uh, yeah, no, so um, that, that's a bit more of a sort of noir diesel punk vibes um, of um, uh, sort of defunct um, uh, weather satellite um, uh, causing sort of, yeah, um, uh, weird weather patterns. Um, and then again, sort of that corporate, corporate hegemony in different areas and um, particularly then sort of like, um, 
how uh, weather and the flow of resources um, uh, kind of defines boundaries and um, how what happens when you start messing with those um, and, um, you know, what, what, what the outcome of that is. And again, you know, a bit of a mystery in there of, you know, um, getting all the keys and, you know, yeah, all of that kind of thing without giving too much away. Yeah, um, but I think with um, all of the adventures, we'll obviously be, um, so there's lots of uh, campaign and um, writing advice in my book as well. Um, the focus mm -hmm. of it is on exploration at its core. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. So um, it's not as much a game that's designed for you to um, sit down, um, work out like what your sort of narrative is, um, and then mm -hmm. uh, present that to the players. It's more a game that wants to um, present um, interesting um, situations, interesting environments, worlds, and characters to the players, and then sort of play to find out what happens. Um, a bit yeah. like in um, uh, that PBTA way, in a way. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, I think like uh, it, yeah, the through line is like exploration. I think. And discovery yeah. is um, really, really yeah, important. Yeah, draw, draw, draw a map. Mm. Um, uh, start by drawing a map. Start as how I start every, and then yeah, yeah. <laughs> throw throw the players in, and then see what they do. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was, I was just about to ask, but how uh, as a game master? So if, maybe if uh, you're a game master and you've come from running a lot of D and D, which is very different tone, very different vibe, and you're coming to Salvage Union, what kind of you mentioned in the book? There's some guidance. What sort of guidance do you give for? playing this style of game like you, where you say it's a lot about exploration and you know interacting with the world opposed to go to this dungeon and kill 20 goblins you know what what advice would you give to somebody running this game um so i think uh, it's, it sounds a bit obvious sometimes but it's just sort of follow so the game that has a lot of um, like accessible features which sort of guide you into um like how to set up sessions um advice on how to run like saying yes to the players a lot um for example mm -hmm. and um and uh, encouraging um, creativity with players. Um, and um, I'd say, like, yeah, following those elements of the advice rather than trying to, uh, which is a habit, it's certainly a habit I've done as well. Um, I was trying to break through from my D&D shackles of, um, <laughs> of, like, treating it like a D&D game where they're, um, however you run a D&D game. So, yeah, like, I'd, I'd say, yeah, treat it on its own merit and uh, say yes a lot. So I think that's really important for it to yeah. work as well. The, the, yeah. There is there is good advice on map structuring as well because the map structuring mm -hmm. does work slightly differently to um, sort of uh, other trap games like VX or whatever. So it doesn't okay. really use hex maps, hex maps as such. It uses um, mm -hmm. like nested point crawl maps. Um, okay. So um, uh, it's kind of got like um, areas and then regions and then locations. Um, sorry, regions and then areas and then locations. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so... Um, the regions connect to each other and they take a certain amount of time to travel between that's like one downtime session um and then as you go into there then in a region there will be another map which is a point crawl map of an area um okay. and um of various interconnected areas and then they're in hours travel by mech between those um and then inside an area you might have locations within that sometimes it might just be one location um, um and then the book kind of advises you on how to do that and then how to stock those areas with sort of um, threats or like um, interesting places, like, you know, how much to be kind of like, um, oh, this should be relatively light and this should be sort of, you know, oh, maybe there's people who want to help, like, you know, um, I think we've got some, is, is there tables in there as well to stop? Yeah, there's yeah so there's some locations tables. and stuff, um, uh, location tables and stuff that you can roll on um, to sort of get a quick map up and running to begin with. And then just kind of, yeah, like I say, um, uh, let the players kind of lead the way and then react to what they're doing, really, rather than, um, uh, you know, um, pre-planning too yeah. much. Or trying um, to force outcomes. Yeah. Trying to force outcomes, yeah. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, the best best bit of GM advice I ever got was um, when I was running um, uh, 
can't remember what it was. It was Infinity um, of, on the on the Modifius stream. This was, and mm -hmm. um, uh, I remember speaking to um, uh, v, uh, Virginia Page, um, who had previously run a session on their stream, and I was kind of like, I had all of these notes because I hadn't run a game in a while, and um, I was like, what, what's your advice? And she was like, Oh yeah, no, just literally, if it's you know, if it's a few sessions, you only need really a few lines of like main points <laughs> and then you know kind of you know just improv it out and um so yeah I, I really kind of started trimming back a lot of my prep yeah. um after that because mm -hmm. i did used to prep a lot more um <laughs> in terms of you know drawing maps and having every npc and like their family history and stuff you know you, do, you don't need that really uh, yeah, yeah i mean i i found um this must have been when i was about 18 or so running a uh, running dnd &D, and i found like a three thousand word document i done. <laughs> Just for one session. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> I've just written the entire thing as basically prose. Yeah, yeah. Looking yeah. back, I'm just uh... like, what? <laughs> How much of that did you actually use as well? Like, well, none of it. Yeah. The players almost immediately probably went, "Oh right, yeah, no, let's not go to that town. Let's go to this one." Exactly. <laughs> they, were, they were. I made. Them. <laughs> it was like, it wasn't no, pretty. It wasn't pretty. Yeah. Choo choo. They, yeah. um, they followed the railroad. Mm. Um, but I just didn't know. I didn't know other structures. I think, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, like other other yeah. gameplay structures. When I even discovered like hex scrolls as a concept, I was like, oh, cool, a structure exists other than like just do an encounter, then do the next encounter. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yeah, great. Well, that's some uh, really kind of solid advice coming through there about how to kind of run the game for new people. Uh, I know some things people struggle with is like. D&D is very popular and that's great and we love it and all, but sometimes it's great to play something that's not D&D. Um, do you have any like tips on how to get a table excited to play Salvage Union? So if somebody's seen this and they want to run it, how how would you convince a table to go from playing D&D into playing something different? Um, so generally, I'm, I'm, generally I'm <laughs> I against, yeah, I mean, generally I'm against convincing people in the, I mean, the way I convince I'm people sure. to play games is I say, mm -hmm. I'm going to, run this game at this time um mm -hmm. who is interested and i'll give a pitch obviously i'll say it's a post-apocalyptic net game um mm -hmm. you know who's in and yeah. generally um you'll find that a lot more people will be interested than you might expect um there, okay. there is sometimes a problem when so if someone's got a regular play group which i understand and you know yeah. and they want to play with all their friends and they're like i'm mm -hmm. an um and i guess to them i'd say it's a very quick and easy game it's uh, very easy to learn and it's very accessible and you can play mm -hmm. it in um, you can play it in a few hours, and you might enjoy it. Um, but in general, I'd, mm -hmm. I'd say you know just, just try and play other games and, and pitch other games, and people will be a lot more mm -hmm. responsive. Um, games other than D and D, um, people yeah. will be more responsive than you um, than you expect they will be. I think. Yeah, I think uh, yeah. <laughs> I knew your thing was just going to be like just run, just, just run it, bro. tell them that you're running, just tell it. them that you're running, and let and the people will come. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, right. well, I, think, I think the other the, the thing that I've done in the past as well, if you're trying to turn people onto it, just run a one shot. Just just tell them it's going to be a one shot, but then leave a leave a cliffhanger. Um, and you know, nine times out of ten, people will want to play the next session to figure out what's what's going to happen. And yeah, getting people to commit to a one shot is way way easier. If you try and get anyone mm -hmm. to commit to, I think every campaign I've ever run started out as, oh yeah, we're just going to do like two or three sessions, and then that'll be it. Because everyone's like, oh yeah, no good, because I can't commit to more than like you know three weeks in advance, and you know yeah, I can't I can't commit to a three year campaign. Um, but then as soon as you get started, it's like, oh okay, cool, we've been playing for eighteen months every week, and everyone's loving it. Um, mm. Because you just have to like get you can't get anyone excited about a game, I don't think really until they've started mm. playing it and they've played a session. So just trying to get people to play a session 
And um, and if they really won't do it, then um, do it on your birthday and say, it's my birthday, can I just run this for you? Oh, and, that's uh, great. Say, no, I have done that once. Um, <laughs> I'm not proud that's, of it. But, um, that's interesting. It I've not heard that one. Okay, I love that. I love that. <laughs> so generally, it sounded like the the kind of the drug dealer approach of the first one's free kids, get them in, get them hooked. And then, yeah, okay, yeah. cool. That's that's all advice. Thank you so much. Um, we're coming up near to the end uh, of our time on the show. Uh, so if you're uh, watching live and did have any questions you wanted to ask, now is the time to kind of get them in. Um, but talking to you guys, would, is there anything else you kind of want to talk about the game or, or brag about the game, make sure people know about it before before we kind of wrap up? So well, one of the things I am most, most pleased with actually is because um, we put a lot of work into the production of the book, which I think comes through, like, you know, if you see the, um, uh, mm-hmm. if you see it, um, yeah. you know, it's, um, yeah, the spreads and everything like is all really nice. But the thing I'm most proud of is on the cover. Now you can't really see this in photos normally, or it's the sort of thing you only really notice in person. Um, but when we were having it printed, um, I really struggled to find the paper for the cover underneath the spot mm-hmm. varnish because what I wanted was I wanted the effect where up to the because you can see here around the edges it looks worn around the edges yeah. of the book as if the the paper's worn away. Um, and I wanted that to feel like rough paper, um, but you can't apply a spot varnish to mm-hmm. uncoated paper because it'll just all soak in and you won't see it. Um, but we managed to find this linen texture paper. But yeah, that edge bit around the edge of the book is actually mm-hmm. not glossy. The rest of the book is all a little bit glossy and that bit isn't. And it really genuinely makes it feel like an old pre-worn book. And it runs all nice. down the spine and everything like, you know, and it, it just... There's something very tactile about it, and I'm inordinately proud of that, actually, because it it really does feel um, worn. And on the plus side, um, it means that if you kind of slightly wreck your book by taking it to the pub and leaving it in a pool of beer, um, it doesn't matter because it actually just adds to the pattern. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's no excuse athletic. not to crack yeah. the spine, you know, go, go wild with it. Um, it doesn't matter. Um, it's made so, yeah. to be used and enjoyed. <laughs> it is, yes. Fantastic. Um, so, yeah, I really yeah. use that. No, no, it's really cool, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I'd, I'd say briefly, um, but it's, um, but we, we packed a lot into this book. So initially it was mm. meant to be a five, 200 pages. God, yeah. We expanded it to a 340 <laughs> page B5 book, uh, yeah. with three adventure <laughs> modules that ended up being, um, twice the size. Um, mm-hmm. so it really is like a, a complete yeah, experience. And we, mm-hmm. yeah, we just put so much love and into like all the, all the writing, which I did and all the different, um, like customization options, um, because whilst it is a simple to learn met game, we still wanted it to be have a lot of like um, fun customization options, but do genuinely mm-hmm. make a difference during play. And um, and so there is uh, there's like 150 at least um, different things that you can um, customize your mech with. There's 30 different mech uh, chassis in the game, each of which is fully illustrated, um, which um, play differently. And there's just there's a lot of options. And uh, I think I think we, we, we worked it out. I think um, if you add up all the different sort of pilots and mech combos with all the equipment and systems and modules i think there's was it like 300 million permutations yeah, or something I mean, like yeah, that you can build that. there's wow. so much stuff in the book like it's um yeah it's you there's a lot of options <laughs> it's very <laughs> replayable you. then definitely there's yeah. you know a run out of yeah. content there yeah. Yeah. fantastic so if people are interested they want to learn more or pick up a copy where's the best place for them to go online to find you uh currently it's um yeah yeah, um, yeah. We, uh, we ship internationally yeah we ship internationally we've got stock in the u.s as well so um uh, for uh, the american audience um we, we've got stock there which uh, keeps postage costs down and um obviously it's not a 
you know, uh, several week shipping process. Mm -hmm. um, so customs um, friendly too. Customs friendly as well as big one. Yeah. So um, for, the, uh, for, the for, for the US and the UK, um, for, for the EU, sadly. Um, uh, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. No, no comment on that one. I've tried so hard <laughs> to talk about Brexit. <laughs> I know, tried so hard. And I know you love it so much. You broke know, a game about it. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. <laughs> Amazing, um, amazing. Okay, great. So uh, links are in the show notes up on, and if you're watching live, up on the screen and in the chat for you to check all those things out there. So we're coming up to the end of our time. I do have a final question that I ask everyone. And if you, if you have any recommendations for any other tabletop RPGs that aren't ones that you've made and that are obviously not D&D. &D. Um, so I'm going to go for uh, Cyborg by uh, Johan Nor, um, which is a... Uh, Rules light uh, cyberpunk game with a gorgeous art and aesthetic. Um, it's sort mm -hmm. of a sequel to uh, Morkborg, uh, which is uh, not a sequel, kind of a hack of Morkborg, which is a sort of fantasy version of it. Um, but I prefer it. I fit, and I think Morkborg's really like bleak and kind of grim dark. Um, yeah. Having run it, it's kind of it kind of feels too bleak for some players. But I found when I run Cyborg and I'm like, it's bleak and grim dark, but it's sort of set in late stage capitalism. Everyone goes, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't question the premise at that point. Um, so I, I found it more more fun to run in a bleak way. Mm -hmm. there. And it's just a really, it's a really fun um, over the top city game. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, for, for, for me, um, I've kind of got two at the moment. The, my, my traditional answer is is always Troika. I really, really love Troika. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's probably one of my favorite games um, ever, actually. It's a game that I would have liked to have made. Um, the Numinous Edition, particularly, um, uh, for the art, the sort of the pseudo lino cut um, character art is absolutely beautiful. Uh, typography choice is like absolutely bang on. For what is a relatively simple book, mm -hmm. um, it, it does everything excellently. Um, and there's some really cool idiosyncratic rules, like the initiative rule is, I mean, it's absolutely insane. Like, and in play, it can be a bit unwieldy, <laughs> shall we say, but it's, it's really exciting because like, you know, it's, um, uh, it's, it's really like, it's really weird. Cause you know, I, I don't know if you're aware of it, but you put like tokens into a bag and you pull them mm -hmm. out. So you could like have three goes in a row and then it's just combat over and nobody else gets to go or you could just like get absolutely smashed by you know all the npcs and then you know that's yeah. it generally it sort of evens out um but it's um yeah it's really fun and i guess another one would be vaults of van which i'm quite excited about at the moment and i think that's just in terms of the descriptiveness of the writing mm -hmm. um and um yeah it's just i can picture it i want to make art of that book you know um uh, nice so it's kind of like um again it's like a weird um sort of science fantasy uh thing set in the desert um but um yeah it's really really cool oh and anything by will jobst as well um uh, shout out will jobst um i, I love his stuff um talk yeah. particularly talk was a big inspiration for the layout of salvage so yeah so I'm oh, picking wow. a lot of games. That's fine. You can you can like a lot of games. It is good. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah we, we publish games, so we're people that probably like yeah. games a bit. So uh, and it's yeah. my sneaky way to get ideas for future guests as well. So I always right, like, okay, uh, yeah. like picking those. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's some great recommendations there. Thank you so much. Um, thank you both so much for coming on and, and giving up your time to talk to me and. Um, for myself and people in the chat as well, thank you uh, very much for the rule system and for bringing Salvage Union to us so we can um, tell these kind of stories with your game. So thank you so much for that. No
Um, thank and, you very yeah, much. Thank, thank you, chat, as well, um, for, for, the mm -hmm. nice, for the nice words. Absolutely. So I was going to say thank you to everyone who watched live and everyone who's listening to the podcast. Uh, so thank you very much for coming along to support and learn about different indie tabletop RPGs. If you're at all interested in Salvage Union, I would recommend going to the website and having a look and see how you can support them because the best way to support indie tabletop RPG creators is to buy their stuff. Um, we'll be back same time, same place next week. We'll be talking about Terminal, which is a game very heavily inspired by The Matrix. So life is living in a simulation. Uh, so if you're interested in listening to that, same time, same place next week. But for now, now, uh, I think we'll say goodbye. So thank you very much all. Bye. 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 Bye.